Welcome to What's Happening in 40K. Your daily dose of all things Warhammer 40,000. Each day, Monday through Friday, we explore the Warhammer 40,000 tournament scene. And bring you the latest news, updates, and opinions. So, whether you're a seasoned veteran or a newcomer to the hobby, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us as we delve into the world of 40K. Here's your host, Mufasa. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode. Today, we are joined by Jay of Mohawk Miniatures. Jay is a well-known gentleman on the UKT scene. He has a Mohawk, hence the name of his initiative, Mohawk Miniatures, which is fundamentally a painting service and content creation business. Jay has a really interesting model of combining both of those two things at the same time, and today we're going to talk to him about his success in our invitational event, Beyond Battle Ready, as well as what his life looks like as a professional content creator in the Warhammer world. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, dude. I, I feel that describing me as a gentleman is maybe a stretch too far, but you know, I'll take it. Ex-pro wrestler in a three-piece suit, something like that. <laughs> yeah, imagine Guy Ritchie's the gentleman, but you know, where we all talk like hobbits, and you're probably close. Yes, of course. You're from the West Country, that's right? Yes, Southwest Bristol. Brizzle, basically. Brizzle. Oh, excellent. So hopefully we'll see you at the Bristol Super Major later in the year. Um, oh, yes. But, and, uh, you, but you've been a regular on, on the scene for a long time. You come to lots of our events, and you already have an invitation for this year's Beyond Better Ready. So I'll do a little brief for anyone that's not heard about that before. So. Um, we run this event once a year called Beyond Bad Already, and it's an invitational event where all of the people that either win or place highly in our painting competitions at each of our events get an invitation to, and then it's a sort of pseudo-narrative event in which people compete. Last year it was a map-based campaign, and then the overall rankings are done by gaming combined with sports combined with painting, sort of how 40K tournaments used to be about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Jay? You won that last year, and you've already got yourself a spot from uh, your second place painting at Leicester this year. So um, last year you brought your knights. Knights are, you know, an interesting spot in the 40k meta at the moment, and uh, you're sort of like the best player slash painter I think in the country. So what are your ambitions this year? Obviously, if you won it last year, you're going to just bring the knights and smash everyone again. What, what's your your general <laughs> view on on uh, or aspirations around this event, um, which is coming up in September this year? So I, I'm really looking forward to it because last year's event was super fun. Like you said, it, it married the kind of sportsmanship that the meta, as in like outside the game elements as well as the game and i thought it was great fun the map based thing was was sick i loved that uh when i talked about it on stream a lot of people were like i want to go to this event I'm like, well you've got to paint well um with regards to knights i have tried to stop playing knights uh i won the itc best knights again this is the third year now we've won it um so you know, i've played a lot of knights uh, I've been waiting for Corn Demon Kin to be released as a codex since mid seventh edition, but it never mm. happened. Um, so now finally we have the World Eaters book out, and that's the army I want to play. And we've spent a lot of time working on uh, Abaddon prior to their release, thinking right, I can plug him into the army. He's a cool model, and of course I can't do that. Um, so we're now working on things that I can actually put in the army. So the goal this year is to get my World Eaters to uh, that event 
where they will be painted. Uh, we're going like full balls in on, on that to make sure they're as, as good as they possibly can be. Um, and World Eaters are in an okay spot, I think. Uh, you can certainly, if you know how to play close combat armies, do a lot with them and control the narrative of the game and like really spin the way your opponent has to react to what you do. So fingers crossed, we'll get that. But if not, yes, I'll bring the lights to smash everyone. Yeah, well, World Eaters are actually you know in a pretty good space. Obviously, very matchup dependent and first turn, second turn dependent. Uh, we're hoping to try to get Ed Watts on the podcast sometime soon, who who just went uh, yes. five and one and came third at, at um, Southampton over the weekend. But um, the interesting thing about Beyond Better Ready, you know, you mentioned the the map based campaign is we're trying to refine how it works. Last year, I think we had best sports because of the algorithm that we used to determine best overall. So it was like best sports um ended up finishing third best painted or ended up finishing second and then you who were best general ended up finishing first so because of how we nice. weighted all the different things and um that's not intentional the, the idea was like that it would be a bigger bigger mix of things so it's very much a format that i think everyone comes and has a great time and the placings ultimately don't super matter because so many people come and you know, they're just yeah. there to play against lots of other beautiful armies but um we are trying to to tweak that a bit this year and the idea generally would be that once we have a format that really works for the, for people that like to play 40k that way, we could potentially roll out and do more map-based narrative-ish events at the super majors around the country, you know, as a side awesome. event. So we'll see what I happens I think with for that. a lot of people, they're, they're kind of put off by the, the feeling of going to a tournament because they think it's going to be full of people that are really trying to win and so on. And that isn't the case anyway, but certainly I think having an event like that that more people can just turn up to will really do a lot for the the sort of general health of 40k events as a whole i thought it was brilliant thank you very much and you know it really comes as a sort of a, a passion project for me because i grew up in games workshop stores on saturday mornings playing and particularly over summer holidays where they would do <laughs> then white dwarf based campaigns where you'd have a map on the wall of the store yes. and the white dwarf monthly would follow the results that the stores would be sending into headquarters each month and i thought it was like the best way to play 40k they released a new model with a new data slate that was like the hero of the good guys and the hero That's of the right. bad guys it was so much fun so i'm trying to replicate a little bit of that because i think it's missing in the in the event scene in well not just in the uk but globally so we'll see what can we can do with that and probably be um be a big success if we um if we can pull it off but, fingers crossed um well thank you very much um we did talk about um, your Mohawk Miniatures uh, project a little bit. I don't really know how to refer to it. I mean, project seems like an understatement, so let's call it an um, <laughs> endeavor. Your it's endeavor. step one to global domination. That's what it is. Yes, exactly. Right. So um, fundamentally, you're a painting business, but yes. you do a combination of painting as a commission and painting as content creation. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what you do and describe your a day in a day in Mohawk's life if, as a as a professional in the Warhammer space. I mean, the first thing is obviously to to style the Mohawk because without that, what's the point? Um, then hmm. basically, it's it's painting. I I paint for a living is is how I describe my business. Uh, from usually about eight thirty to nine o'clock in the morning, I start painting. I finish painting late at night and go to bed. Most of the time, I'm painting off stream. Uh, and I'm painting models that people are paying me to paint, so I'm a commission painter. At the moment, I've got a load of Chaos Knights on the go. Next week, I'm hoping to start an Ariel commission, which I'm really looking forward to because it's a beautiful model, and I rarely get to paint Sigma stuff. And then 
currently now five days a week we stream uh, for myself. I also stream a sixth day a week with The Art of War, uh, where I'm teaching John Lennon how to paint, essentially. So that's quite good fun. Um, but I'm either painting models that people have paid me to paint. I'm painting my own toys on a very, very rare occasion on stream. But I tend to do that on stream because I can kind of quantify it as a I'm working rather than I'm not working. I'm just painting my own toys because that way I'm creating the content and it allows me to sort of balance that in my head. When you're self-employed, you know, you've got a lot of uh, like onus essentially on you to keep working because obviously you need the money rolling in. Uh, or we paint models that we've given away on stream every month. I do two giveaways uh, for the minis. Um, the people that win them get to choose a color scheme. If there's something like, let's, let's say I gave away Robert Gulliman or something, then clearly he's an ultramarine of some description. So sometimes there's like caveats on it. Um, at the moment, we're painting a Imperial Guard tank, and I've shown everyone how to use things like oil paints and quite advanced in terms of you never hear about them, but extremely simple to do weathering techniques. I've put about six hours into this mini and it looks absolutely banging so far. Um, so we, we basically operate the, the content creation side of things through Twitch or Patreon. And it's meant to be a very educational video or stream rather than just entertainment. There's a lot of um, content creators I used to watch that would do really, really like focused in on the process. Here's how to do this and how to replicate it uh, that ended up transitioning to more of an infotainment kind of way. I try and be entertaining, but it's all about helping people learn how to paint. You said you grew up in GW stores on the weekends playing games. Mostly the same for me. Um, I always remember being interested in the painting, but never being particularly good at it. And I constantly ask people, how did you do this? This is really, really good. Well done. I, I love it. But how did you do it? And people back then, this is got a little over 30 years ago, uh, would probably shield their knowledge from you. There was this weird, like, I have to retain my knowledge and I can't tell you because you might be better than me and I need to be the best. It's, it was very strange. These days that doesn't happen so much, but the whole point of the stream is to stop people going through 20 years of bad painting to get to where they needed to be because I can just help them along the way. And if I can cut 15 years out of that because there's still time that you need to put in to hone your skills and practice and so on, then perfect. As far as I'm concerned, that's a gigantic win. Well, that's super interesting you mentioned the infotainment side of things. I could... I am a classic tournament player. I paint when I can, primarily because I've got an army that makes sense. Do you mean when you have to? When I have to, yes. Yeah. Um, but I have got a lot of interest in getting good. You know, I, I, The reason I'm a tournament player is because I like to be good at 40K. And the same mm -hmm. sort of thing approach I take to painting is the reason I don't enjoy painting is because I'm not currently good at it. So I can't sit down and, and do an activity where I'm like, all right, this is an activity I'm good at, so I'm going to engage my time in it. So yeah. I'm, it, it's great to hear that you're you're working on improving people's skills because you know the quicker people can get up to a sort of stage of, of comfortable competency where they're enjoying the activity because they're good enough at it to enjoy it, um, I think is super important. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you know, painting is one of these things where it's there's lots of people that just paint, but yes, it's is. integral. But it's an integral part of the gaming hobby as well, because as everyone knows, we only allow painting army, painted armies in in the tournaments. So it is a very, you know, it's, it's and, one and of the more dominant aspects of the hobby. Yeah, and, like, and to be fair, 
the, we talk often about the gaming standard of events being higher now than it's ever been, but that is also true generally of the painting standard. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, when GW very uh, polarizingly, I, I guess, said, listen, you're only going to get your 10 points if your army is battle ready. Like previously at tournaments, everything had to be painted, but three color minimum was kind of the, I'll call it industry standard. So everybody just put three colors on their mini and that was kind of all you had to do. With battle ready, where you've got to pick out the details and at least you know paint the base coats on every part of the model. I think we're getting much nicer looking armies all over the world as a result of that. And because, and I, I don't want to like over-dramatize this, but during lockdown, a lot of people couldn't work. They either came back into the hobby or they took time to work on their hobby. So they went from, listen, I only paint because I have to, to I am bored and I have nothing to do and I've watched everything on Netflix. Maybe I should do some painting and oh, I'll watch a few YouTube guides because I've got time now and I can improve my hobby. And we did see a lot of hobby uh, improvement over that sort of year-long span when no one could really do much else. So mm. it was a horrible thing for the world. But for a lot of people, that's why they got their hobby to the standard it is now, which is you know something at least. Yeah, exactly. So let's 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 focus in a little bit on you know how you operate your business because you're a painter, but mm -hmm. you are able to stream, and it's always one of those things that I've thought about. It's like a commission painter; he's painting a sword. There's no reason he can't put a camera above his 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 yeah. desk because he's doing a talk to it. So in in the sort of um, content world more generally they call this like waterfalling so where you're using mm -hmm. one piece of content multiple times so it massively reduces your investment in that content in terms of like how many how many minutes of engagement you can get so tell us a little bit about you know if you're say painting an angron are you thinking yeah. about that in terms of like oh well i've never painted um bone on stream before so i'm going to adapt his color scheme for that like are you are you, is this sort of thing you're thinking about in terms of your creative process as a painter but then also as your creative process as a content creator like what sort of um decision making are you going through when you're choosing say a color scheme or, or some sort of project so it, let's let's assume it's a commission obviously it's client-led so they give me sometimes free reign but frequently like listen my army color scheme is so and so i need it painted like this and then I have latitude at that point to kind of do what I want within that remit. So let's say, using your example, uh, it was going to be painted bone. Like, okay, well, I've done various different ways of painting bone on stream. Here's a different way of doing it. And so sometimes it's not just changing the colors to make sure you've got something fresh, but changing the approach to it. Are you doing it with airbrush? Are you doing it without an airbrush? Are you doing it in the heavy metal style, which is something I, I pretty much never do? Um, or are you doing it with like more of a, a cell shaded or volumetric highlight style? Are you using oil paint? Are you using just acrylic paint? Are you using loads of glazes? Are you using contrast? There's a million different ways to do anything. And there's no right way. There's a couple of ways that are wrong because they don't that, that technique doesn't work with that color and so on. It's you know it doesn't give you a good effect. It gives you a, a barely passable effect. But there's lots of ways that you can do things, and because you need to keep the content at, you know, reasonably fresh for the people that are watching your stream or watching your Patreon videos a lot, then you can't do the same thing all the time. Obviously, there's new people that are coming into the stream and so on very regularly. So it's okay to occasionally repeat things. But this is why I've got like 
four different recipes for how to paint red that are all airbrush and glaze focused, but it's four different reds. And then I've got another couple of different ways of painting red entirely, one of which you start off with blue and then work up to white and yellow and then make it all red. And you get this crazy effect of red. And it's like a magician pulling back the the curtain and showing you how a trick is done. And suddenly you're like, oh my God, I didn't even consider that that was possible. So you've got to keep things fresh, but you've got to keep consistent more importantly than anything else. Um, I stream, like I said, five days a week. We've, we've recently added a Wednesday daytime stream to make sure that I've got some time that I can paint my own stuff. We're calling it World Eaters Wednesday because alliteration is king in the business, as you know. Um, and it gives me time to paint my own things, call it work because I'm on air, uh, but gives me time to do that, my own project. But I am almost always there for those streams. I try to never miss a stream. It's only if I'm ill or usually, Zach, it's your fault because I'm at one of your mm. events. Well, I'm not going to apologize for that because we we love having you there. But right, I do no, have a question. <laughs> I do have a question um, that is uh, close to my heart. So more business of painting. So over the last, say, three or four years, we've seen a lot of technical innovation in the uh painting industry in terms of the products that have come into market so we can think about this in sort of two ways one i think is the cheapness and availability of chinese airbrushes and compressors and the second one is (laughs) the um spread and proliferation of contrast and contrast related products so Mm -hmm. how have these two things or any other um innovations in the market changed how you painted, number one, and then number two, how you experience other people's armies at our events? Good question. God, I feel like Stu Black now. Um, <laughs> basically, with airbrushing becoming cheaper to get into and there being more content about airbrushing, like I found airbrushing, God, what, I don't know, seven years or so ago, looking at a Reddit post and thinking, Christ, how did someone do this? And then found out about it and then watched a few people do some YouTube videos on it. I thought, well, I'm sure I can give that a go. I bought the cheap stamped out of a Chinese factory airbrush, ran that for a year, decided, yeah, this is absolutely something I want to do. And now my airbrush setup costs considerably, considerably more than that. But as a professional, I don't mind spending the money on it. I need it. For everybody else, you can get by with that simple Chinese compressor. I did a couple of armies that qualified for No Retreat, which is kind of a tournament with a painting qualification for it using that. So you can do really, really well with that if you put the time in. Contrast paint, I think, has very much changed the way that most people that only paint because they have to paint, hobby. So there are plenty of people that do not like painting. Some of them frequently do well at your events. Um, contrast paint is a way of just slapping stuff down. And, you know, the slap chop uh, stuff that's, that's, that's becoming more popular as well, it's just sort of taking that with another tangent to it to improve it a little bit. But it's a way of getting stuff done quickly and efficiently, much like using an airbrush. One of those two options I find looks better. I think airbrushed work tends to look neater and tidier. If you just take a basic marine, for instance, spray in whatever the GW spray is called that you're meant to use, slap some blue contrast on. Most of the time, it looks a bit lumpy and a bit uneven and not ideal because power armor is not great for contrast. But it's painted. Or you could take an airbrush, 
do a quick couple of like pre-highlights or pre-shades, put blue contrast paint through the airbrush, and suddenly you've got a really good-looking Space Marine that didn't take long at all. Mm. Both of those two things, you basically have the, do I have space or money to afford an airbrush? And they're not expensive. Like, we've all got money to spend on toy soldiers. Don't do that for a month and buy an airbrush instead, and you'll get through that backlog that you've got pretty quickly. Um, or you've got the, I don't have space, or if my missus has to sit there listening to a noise for forever, she will kill me. And then you've got the contrast way. So for people that want to paint quickly, you've got multiple avenues. For people that want to paint quickly and well, one of the best things, honestly, is combining both of those two. I use contrast paint a lot through an airbrush to tint colors on things. I find it's absolutely fantastic for that. It's a super high super high saturation paint it's got loads of pigment and it's very strong and vivid and bold and by using that thinned quite heavily with uh flow improve which is like a medium to use in the airbrush you can just gently change the way something looks so let's say you've painted something that's red and you've got your red to like a scarlet red so like evil sun scarlet kind of color you think you know what that looks great but it looks like a blood angel and i wanted to look like a world eater putting a couple of coats of something like, um, oh, they do a pink, Vulpus pink uh, over it will get you to a crimson. Then using some Leviathan purple and just hitting the shadows with it gives you something that is entirely different for two minutes work, if that. Mm. Yeah, so the, the main reason I, I, I asked that question is because I think so many of us grew up painting in the sort of all right, I'm doing blue, so I've got to put four layers of ultramarine blue, you know, thinned ultramarine blue to get that opacity. And then I've got to edge highlight it because that's how heavy metal do it. And then I've got exactly. to shade the, shade the edges with the, the darker. And it was just so laborious. It was so painting by numbers that it completely disengaged me with, with that side of the hobby. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I like is not only are the big characters in the YouTube space, such as yourself and um, who's the uh, secret weapon guy um, from the States, um, Secret miniatures. No, no, the seek. He's a oh, super good That's he, my boy. What's <laughs> his name? Kenny Boucher. Kenny Boucher. So, so, because so of, me and Kenny are basically the same person with different accents. It's yes, you, he's got a West Coast accent. You've got a West Country accent. But yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> um, he's also a big chap. So I'd love to see a wrestling match between you two one day. But uh, that I think have to I leave. weigh more than him though. He is. He's oh, slimmed maybe. down a lot. He's pretty jacked. But he's, he's got reach. You know? Yeah, yeah. So um, we'll have to leave the wrestling match results to another day. Jay, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, hopefully we'll see you at one of our upcoming events. We've mentioned Bristol already, which obviously there's loads Definitely of things will. left for. But we also have the London Open in April. We've got Birmingham Teams in May. We've got Bristol in June and Leeds in August. Obviously, the LGT also in September. So all of those tickets are currently available on warhammertournaments.com. Jay, thank you so much for coming on the show, and we hope to talk to you again sometime soon. We'll do, mate. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to What's Happening in 40K. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We'd also really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and recommending us to all your gaming buddies. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe for more great content from What's Happening in 40K.
We'll be back next time with even more news, updates, and opinions from the world of Warhammer 40,000. Until next time, thanks for listening.